this week on Missions Today. The overwhelming thing was the very palpable evidence of the Lord's presence. Everybody was looking at the Lord. I was like, okay, this is legit. This is real because I could feel God's presence. I could feel the Holy Spirit. And it was coming through the college students that were worshiping on the stage. What I felt was that it was such a, a sweet, simple presence. What's happened is that the church has not been revived. Therefore, the culture cannot be awakened. The hope for our country is a revived church. Those are just three of the voices of people who drove to and attended part of the Asbury College outpouring or awakening earlier this year, and just one of the highlights of Missions Today for 2023. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. As we reach the end of this year, we have so much to be thankful for. And for me, so many of those things are tied to the guests we've had here on Missions Today. On this final episode of the year, we're going to listen back to some of the audio highlights of 2023. In our first segment, as we focus on trials and difficulties, we'll hear from Tricia Stringer, who's developed a Bible study curriculum for those who've gone through trauma. Cassidy Reese of Scarlet Hope and how she's been moved by her work in strip clubs. And we'll begin with Joseph Kebby, an international radio professional who was almost taken as a child soldier in his early years, only to become a refugee. Eventually, the war actually hit at our doorsteps. And during that time, I was staying in uh, Liberia at some point. In fact, I remember in some cases escaping in the bush because at the time they were looking for young boys to become child soldiers. So I escaped in a bush and was there for, you know, a few hours until you know, those guys that were looking for the young boys for false recruitment, when they left, I came back out. But eventually, things didn't improve. We became refugees in different places. The most one that we spent a lengthy time in was Guinea. Grew up there. It wasn't all that easy as a, as a refugee boy, but... Again, you know, God brought us through, protected us, provided for us, even though we were in a refugee situation, but he provided for us and kept us true during those times. About five years ago, some colleagues came to us and said, hey, we're working with refugees and we need a trauma healing program that we can use with them. Now, all of the refugees we work with are oral meaning that they cannot read and write, but they've gone through such horrible circumstances and we want to use God's word to help them. They're also not from a believing background and they're from a Muslim background. So we want to attract them to Jesus, but also do that in an appropriate and responsible way. And they said, you're the story people. So can you help us? And so that was already resonating with something in my heart, just watching God's word transform lives, like the story I just told you, and realizing that, yes, God's word intentionally used in traumatic situations. I mean, there's no end to the power, right, that God has in those situations. So we developed a team of people. And there were seven of us that worked on this curriculum that we began to use, and it was called New Hope. And we have been using that now for six years and using it all over the world. And we're on almost every continent. It's a beautiful curriculum, but healing takes longer than seven weeks. 
right? And so New Hope is, is a curriculum that really helps small groups of people understand what it means to be a healing community. Healing happens as people gather together around God's word with a purpose and as they learn to listen to each other well and really become community. And so as we saw that happening, we realized that those small communities are actually seeds. They're seeds of healthy church plants. So what would it look like if these communities continued on so that when the next traumatic situation happens or when the trauma comes back up in their own lives and they have to deal with it again, they can be in this community that is already good for each other, that is already centered around God's word that will bring them back into who Jesus is and how Jesus can bring healing to their lives. I think one of the most recent stories that has just been giving me continued life as we pursue these women is number one, remembering that the Lord is working even when we don't see it. And I've just gotten to see the fruit of that recently. I became really close to a dancer when we first started going in 2021 and we texted a bunch and we saw each other every week for the first six months of us being there. And then I didn't see her for a couple of weeks and I was texting to follow up and my texts weren't going through. So I was just like, okay, I wonder what's going on. I asked a couple of friends of hers in the club if they had heard from her and they were just like, not really, but I think she's just working somewhere else now. And so I was like, okay. So I continued to think about her and pray for her and, but I hadn't seen her in almost a year. And then just recently, my mind kind of just thought about her again. And so I decided to text the same number that I texted plenty of times before and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. And I'd love to hear from you and what's going on in your life. And she responded pretty quickly. And she was like, Cassidy, oh my goodness. I'm so glad that you text me. I lost your number. We need to talk. And so I was like, okay, like let's talk. And so we met up like a week later and she told me that she left the club. She did go on to another club, but she became homeless and somebody in the club invited her to live with them. And so she did. And that woman was really into spirits and spirituality, but not having to do with Jesus at all. And what she now knows is the Lord prompted her to research the spirits that this woman was engaging. And she came across the Holy spirit, which led her to come across Jesus. She picked up a Bible. She started reading and her life changed. And she is now walking with the Lord. She left the club. She has a job at a burger bar and she's about to get a job with insurance. And she stopped drinking. She stopped doing drugs and just the Lord has one aided her life. And then we're studying the Bible together every week. And so, so it has just been the sweetest thing to experience ever. Incredible stories of God's love and provision in the midst of difficulty. This is Missions Today 2023, the year in review. Just ahead in our segment on helping those in need, we'll hear from John Travis Smith of Texas Baptist Men about the amazing work they do around the world. We'll hear from Alan Barnhart, who decided early in his career to live on just a small portion of his profits. And we'll kick this segment off with Dr. David Vanderpool, who sold most of what he had to help the people of Haiti. In 2013, my wife and I felt that we were called to sell our possessions, to give up our surgical practice, and move to Haiti full time. So in 2013, we did just that. We sold our house most of our possessions and anything we did not need to take to Haiti, we sent off. So no vehicles, no house, nothing like that. And we built a base of operations in Haiti. The Lord was so kind. He, 
he showed us 63 acres that he wanted us to build our base on. So we purchased that land and uh, started building. We built a surgical hospital that now supplies 250,000 people with access to excellent health care. We built a great school, actually an English language school that now uh, has 240 students in it. We have 12 grades. These children are taught four different languages, great basis in math and science, so that they can really uh, do well in the world. We uh, began a water program. We drilled water wells for all of the 250,000 people in our area. And so they have clean water, which is unusual in Haiti. Most places do not. We also noticed that a lot of the children were malnourished. And so we started a feeding program. And today we feed 8,000 children a day out of our compound there in Haiti. These children have been malnourished for many years. And so we feed these children 70% uh, of their caloric needs for lunch, very good balanced meal. It's a hot meal. And so they are flourishing with this food. And it's, you know, it's a fantastic analogy because as we drill water wells and give people clean water, we tell them about the living water. And they understand uh, that Jesus is the living water. When we provide food for the children, we tell them about Jesus as the bread of life. And they understand the nourishment that they're getting, that they're gaining weight, they're getting stronger, and they see that. And then when we provide them with health care, we tell them about the great physician. And so these programs are focused on bringing people to Jesus. And I think this is the way Jesus lived. You know, he didn't just preach. He did. And that was the big difference, I think, is that Jesus came with authority and the authority that he had was that he was doing things. He was actually accomplishing things. He was healing people. He was uh, nourishing people. And he was providing people with health care on his own volition. And so we feel like this is Jesus' model. It's not just preaching. Many people go out and preach and people starve to death uh, during the sermons, you know. And uh, we feel like that uh, there's more to it than that. So we do a lot of disaster relief, and that might be anything from cleaning out flooded homes to uh, like right now in Maui, they're going through and they're, they're actually sifting out every bit of ash from a home site, trying to find anything that might be left over, whether that's a family Bible or wedding bands or war medals, whatever it may be, to try to give those back to the homeowner and then cleaning that off so that they're ready for rebuild. We do things like we provide food. So we'll talk about uh, probably in a minute, just the thousands of meals we provided in Israel during Hurricane Harvey, we put out almost 2 million meals just in that uh, alone. And we're not talking sandwiches, but we're talking about hot, warm, nutritious meals that people can have. Uh, we have shower units. We have chainsaw units, heavy equipment. We do child care. So if you can imagine any of the large shelters that people have, and there's 5,000 people in the shelter, what do you do with all those kids? So even in Dallas, we were at, uh, at one shelter and at one point had 800 children that we were entertaining and teaching and pouring into over the weeks that they were there. So just kind of anything that you can imagine disaster-wise that we do. And we also have a, a presence where we do international water well drilling and filtration. We have a huge ministry that does that as well. And also a builder's ministry where we go build churches and schools and anything that you can imagine in their Christian camps. So we do, we do a lot of things. We're just kind of quiet about it. Not a whole lot of people know what all we do. Our decision was we'd give away 50% of our profits each year and then take the other 50% and use them to, to grow the business. 
And so we've done both of those things for the last 30 years. The dollars kept going up. The very, very early stages, though, I think the first year we had $50,000, we decided we would figure out what to do with that money as a group. So we, we got a group of six of us together and we prayed, God, what do you want us to do with your money? And we researched some organizations and we sent it out. And the next year there was more and the next year more. And that group of six grew. And now there's about 80 of us that are part of that process. And we've established a second process for doing things domestically. There's probably over 100 people that are doing that. These are all employees or spouses that we invite into that process. We need your help learning about organizations, researching them. 95% of the funding we do is international and mostly in what we call hard places. So we have a team that focuses on Southeast Asia and goes there and learns about the ministries there. Most of the ministries we support are not necessarily Western-based ministries. So we have a group that does India, a group that does Middle East, North Africa, and a group that does Western Africa. And they all, over the course of a year, will try to create a portfolio of different opportunities for us to invest in. We have another group that focuses only on Bible translation and one group that focuses on international leadership development. So those are our six main areas. We've involved uh, you know, a good group of people from our company. I mean, our company has 1,700 people now, so it's, 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 you know, most of our people are not believers, and, but, but a fair number are and are interested in doing the work. We don't have a giving staff. Instead, we do it with the people that are helping make the money and their spouses. So that's been a little unique and kind of a little bit messy in some times, but uh, it's been wonderful with life change for our people as they've gotten to know amazing brothers and sisters all over the world who are you know, frankly more committed and more godly than we are. And God lets us be part of what they're doing. And it's been a treat. Hmm. Ministries and missions dedicated to helping those in need. Thanks for joining us for this special episode of Missions Today 2023, our year in review. In our next segment, we look at a few topics that fall into the category of using unique tools. Coming up, we'll hear from May Sethefanich about how the church might utilize artificial intelligence. Randy Grebe tells us a little about a floating book fair, and Richard Gamble tells us about what would be the world's largest Christian monument being built in the UK. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, Basically, don't let what you've seen of God fade from your heart or your memory and make sure you pass it on to your children and your children's children. And, and then in Psalm 145, it talks about proclaiming the deeds, proclaiming the deeds of the Lord to the nations and to the generations. And I believe we're fulfilling those scriptures. And what I'm asking people to do, what I'm asking Christians to do is to basically give us five minutes of your time and tell us the times where God has answered your prayer. Go online. So it's eternalwall.us, and you can go online and share your story of answered prayer. And some of those stories might be the big wows and the suddenlies. We all like those. But what we want this monument to show is not that, you know, God is a transactional God. What we want to show is that he's someone who journeys with us and that prayer is about a relationship. And so some of the stories might be where you prayed and God has said no, but he's supported you through that process and and given you peace and given you strength. We want a whole range of stories. You know, you know, one lady prayed for her husband for 50 years until he got saved. You know, we've had other we've had other stories of somebody desperately praying for food to feed her child a single mother and she went through the lord's prayer and said 
give us this day our daily bread. And as she said, bread, the doorbell went and there was somebody standing there with loaves of bread. I mean, incredible, you know. And then we've had other stories of, you know, people who've lost a child at an early age and, and they just say, it's really difficult to say, but he has taught us a peace and contentment way beyond any circumstance. So the exciting thing for me, Colin, is in 50 years' time, in 100 years' time, in 150 years' time, somebody will read those stories of answered prayer and it's going to lead them to the God who answers. God knows that all this was going to happen. And I I don't worry, although I have sleepless nights, but I'm not worrying. I'm, I'm excited. I believe that we're called for such a time as this. I feel like there are opportunities for us to leverage these tools in uh, on the Christian front as well in terms of propagating the gospel, bringing the gospel into spaces that seem to, to be closed. But you know what? AI is able to penetrate, especially for, for us, if we know how to use this tool, you know, in terms of translating this uh, the, the Bible into languages that used to take all those resources and all that time, getting the Bible and all the Bible teachings into closed countries uh, through technology. That is really, really hard to, to you know, shut off. It's a bit of a whack-a-mole, you know, even for those authorities out there. Uh, so that I, I feel like there is a, a mandate a call and a huge once in a lifetime sort of a opportunity for our generation, for Christians who in, in this tech space to really get hold of this technology and make the most of it and, and, and use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is also, I to, to me, it's also man's attempt to build a tower of Babel to be like God. Now AI could help us to be all-knowing, all-present and, you know, all, all that good and scary stuff, depending on, 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 on where you sit on the theological ideological uh fence but it's it's almost like building of of, of babel but but i think that would be an opportunity as well for 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 us to talk about things of god things of eternity with with with, with the pre-believers that you know is 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 this a good thing i'm thinking of um of of isaiah 14 where where the enemy proclaimed his five i wills i will ascend I will go rise above the stars. I will make my seat uh, in the congregation. I will rise above the heavens. I will be like the most high. I feel like this is the unregenerated man saying that, you know, this is how I am going to accomplish these five I wills through AI. And the reality is that AI, there is all that potential uh, for that sort of realization. But without that redemptive aspect of the redemption of our spirit, redeeming us, back to the time where, you know, to to, to God's righteousness. So, you know, the, the, the soul, the body part of it could be redeemed, but the spiritual part could only be redeemed through our Lord Jesus Christ. There was an elderly gentleman, Liberia. We were open to the ship and, and a man comes on, older man, kind of limping and sweating and said, welcome aboard. I said, "What you look? You look like you've been in the sun. You've been walking." He said, "Yes, sir. I've been walking for four days." I said, "You've been walking for four days?" I said, "Yes. I come from the mountains, up of four days away." So, what do you do in the mountains? He says, "I'm a pastor. I pastor seven different churches. I go to a different village every day up there in the mountains." I said, "So, what brings you here today?" He said, "Well, I heard your ship was here and that you had Bibles." And out of his top pocket, he pulls a little pocket testament. He says, I've never had a Bible. Can you help me get a Bible? He's pastoring seven churches, never had a Bible. Can you imagine the joy when I took him to that book fair? I said, you just pick whatever you want. And uh, he went out with a bag full of stuff. You know what I mean? 
And so these are just little, little, seemingly insignificant stories, but they're compounded thousands of times by our crew who have their own stories day after day after day. God can use a monument, technology, or even an old ship to do his work. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of Missions Today, a look back through 2023 from our audio archives. In our final segment today, one of the most meaningful conversations of the year for me, Nard Pugiao was just a six-year-old boy when translation of the Bible in his native language began. Now, 66 years later, he's helping distribute the Bible to the Isnog people of the Philippines. But just before we hear from Nard, Dr. John Chestnut of Wycliffe Bible Translators talks about some of the process of getting this translation completed. It was a multi-year journey, obviously, 60 plus years that we saw, which is the way a lot of the work has happened historically, you know, because of people from the outside moving into the communities, as Nard mentioned, with Richard Rowe learning the language and such. And so that first New Testament that was completed in 79 and then dedicated in 1982, part of that story is there was another young man at the time that God touched Filipino gentleman by the name of Rudy Barlaan. And in the early 70s, he joined Dick Rowe. And, and together, Rudy and Dick completed that first New Testament. Fast forward then to 2006, of which I was able to participate in the celebration of the revision of the New Testament and then Genesis and Exodus. I was currently serving as the director of the Philippines uh, for our colleagues, uh, SIL, there at the time. And so we got to participate in that. And it was at that celebration that we began to talk about what would it mean? What would it look like to have all of God's word in your language? That revision in Genesis and Exodus was done completely by a Filipino team. They completed that. And then moving forward a couple of years, they started the Old Testament and again, completely um, Filipino translators that were working on this. And then we get to see the outcome of that, you know, this last summer in 23. So in looking back, you get to see the transformation that took place again of the community, but also the workforce change too. And that story is being repeated around the world today. More and more where people from the communities, from these local churches are the ones that are carrying the mantle for translation more and more around the world today. And so that's what we got to take the team back and to get to celebrate and, and looking back together in God's goodness and then getting to celebrate with two, 300 people. Here's the full Bible in the Isnog language. And one other thing I would say that was really a, a marker, I think, for all of us is that we got to take several pictures, as you might imagine, of that. And we've got a couple of great pictures of the kids holding these full Bibles and realizing that, you know, this literally is that first generation of Isnogs that will never know what it was like growing up without all of God's word. For us, that was so special to get to witness and to celebrate with this community together. When I, I got to Manila, I was going like this, and I thought of all the people that were involved to bring us the word of God. And I just cried, and I said, okay, God. <laughs> I lifted it up. I just could not handle my emotions. And I said, wow, I look at all the people that have a part in that, from the oldest one to the youngest one, and the youngest one was Corey Watkins. Five-year-old on a good news club in Georgia 
Sutter here. She bought three Bibles, and this is one of them. And so when I lifted it up, I said, Lord, sorry about this. It's just amazing. So I could not contain my emotions. That's we went to the bargain in there, looking at all the, the first generations, my sister and all those, the older people in there, and then the young people. Receiving the Bible, the whole Bible, we didn't have any when I was growing up, except the Gospel of Mark. But yet God, 66 years later, this is it. This is what we live for. This is the end result of what we do. And thanks to you and to John and, and everybody, God used them to bring about God's word. It's exciting to see. This is it. This is what we live for. And God is coming back and say, yes. And so they all said yes. And he was just so thank you from my heart. Can you hear the passion and gratitude in Nard's voice? Can you imagine waiting 66 years to get your first full copy of God's Word? That's just amazing. Well, our time is out. I wish we could have played highlights from every episode this year, but of course, time just doesn't allow. If you heard something today, though, and you'd like to hear the entire episode, just check out today's podcast notes to find the links to connect you. I want to give a big thanks to all of our guests this season for the generosity of their time. Also to my team at Resource Global for making all of this possible, along with our radio and podcast partners. Most of all, though, I want to thank you for joining me here each week to learn more about God at work around the world through missions. Now, don't forget, next week, be looking for season four to begin. Again, that's coming up next week. Well, it's so helpful if you'd subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to rate it, leave a review on iTunes, share it with others. All of that helps us so much. If you have feedback for me, a guest idea, or you'd like to share your own mission story, email me, clambert at missionstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global. And Happy New Year.